Welcome to the Hearts and Dice podcast. Today we're talking about emotional investment. It's a lot of experimental games discussed. Some stuff about player motivation, some about missing the point of the game as a player. Hi, I'm Steve. I'm Daniel. And I'm Jamie. I played a game of Spione about 10 years ago, which is Berlin Cold War mm. espionage, and it's very downbeat and realistic spy sure. stuff. Yeah. Part of the social contract built into it is that each player needs to write down two terrible secrets about themselves from real life. Oh no. You then fold the secrets up and clip them into the character sheet so that they're unreadable. The body language of the both of you, your deep breath and you're kind of a little bit tense, yeah. was exactly what happened around this table. Oh. And then the game says, take the unused secrets and burn them. And yes. so I just put them in the fireplace and lit them and you could see the entire table go, holy crap, thank God. There was some, based on what I wrote down, oh. I can imagine that there was some... People had committed. Yeah. What was the intended effect? think it was about saying here's a character they have a dark secret that secret is actually one that belongs to one of you the five the five players around this table Mm. and you don't know who it is but you're going to treat this with with the same level of that you would give a loaded gun because you all know how you felt when you wrote this down and then (laughs) burned all of these secrets so effectively they're explicitly evoking a certain kind of emotional state in you in order to help you identify with these characters yep Oh, that's a powerful move. You reminded me of the game I played at XOXO. Deadbolt. I'm just Googling her name. Uh, it's Elizabeth Sampat. Elizabeth Sampat. Yeah. Because um, that had a very explicit social contract going in. Yeah. In fact, she told us not to play. She told you not to play. She wrote this game, and you play yourselves. Okay. Which I'm not a fan of, generally. Yeah. But it wasn't so much a story game. So you, you start by getting a list um, you have to fill in the other people's names on it, so it's like, is the most beautiful, or I want to get to know more, mm. or Daniel's the one who is most interesting to me, something yeah. like that. So it's a list that points at other people <laughs> in the circle with you. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. then it's silent, and she passes around an envelope, and you pull out a thing, and it's a question, or or a prompt. So there's two things. The list has numbers, so you've got all the people at the table numbered off. You get two envelopes, one has a number, so that's the person you should be talking to, Mm. and the other thing is a prompt. And the first round is dark, (laughs) so it's prompts like a terrible secret you'd never tell anyone. Tell it to this person. Or something that you wish you'd done better at. Tell it to this person. I can't remember the exact examples, and I'd I'd rather not say them even, because I remember exactly what I talked about. And you play it in a darkened room, Mm It was completely with strangers at a convention I went to in Portland. Everyone knew what the game was going in, and she was very clear, this is an emotional game. I've seen it mess up partnerships before, that kind of thing. But it's so compelling. And, you know, when you're the only one talking in the room, you can choose to be quiet. But chances are people are still going to hear, apart from the person that you're talking to. So the first round is dark, the second round is more uplifting, I think the prompts in that one were like, compliment that person. Or mm. I think the one I had was, give this person a compliment you'd never say out loud. Which is a bit of a yeah. catch-22, but I managed it. And, it. and it was, oh, give them some encouragement or tell them why you think they're brave. And so you go through this really dark place where you have everyone talking about some really dark shit. 
Mm. And then you build each other up again. Yeah, classic brainwashing. <laughs> in, in a way. It is, it is. She, it is. she also described it once online as kind of a tabletop social media network. Oh, and that's the other thing, yes, because she has buttons. And if something someone says moves you, you can choose to give them a reward. And she, she never tells you like the rules for how to do that. She's every group just picks it up as they go. We were just all giving them as we felt them. I should also say that I've got the rules for it, but rules is inaccurate because Elizabeth explicitly says this is a guide yep. that I've produced because people have asked for it, but you should not play it. This will tell you how I run the game, but yeah. you should not run the game yourself. I think you told me once that... She, she said it in person, yeah, because people were asking after we'd played it. We were like, well, this is amazing. And she says that she is so aware of the power that the game has. People expose their souls or their darkest selves that she doesn't trust that other people would handle it well when they facilitate. Right. So she's made her guideline available, but she, yeah, she explicitly asked you don't run it. Right. <laughs> Which is a hell of a component to a social contract. It is. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's so tempting. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but having said that, I'm not sure that I'd want to play it with people I know. Mm, right. <laughs> like there's a certain safety in doing it with strangers so I'm pretty confident I wasn't going to see after the next day of the convention yes yeah. <laughs> I wanted to talk about another aspect of social contract that's possibly a little less emotionally deep but it, when I first came across the term this is what it was kind of referring to mm-hmm. it's about player motivation you know why are we the real people sitting down at this table to play this game together yeah if we all have the same motivation like we we're all sitting down to explore the darkness Mm. of the situation and to really get into character and like dramatize great if we're all sitting down to overcome the challenge we're all sitting down to be Mm. the thieves that are breaking into this safe and the thing that we're trying to get out is the joy of outwitting the guards and the security systems then that's great the thing that where it breaks down well you know without me saying anything else have either of you kind of experienced situations where you felt a game has broken down through differing player or player and gm motivation yeah this is absolutely that disruption when your expectations or or needs from a game are different right some people want the equivalent of a brooklyn 99 sitcom (laughs) something that they don't have to engage too heavily with and some people want to engage much much more seriously seriously and more deeply and and if everyone's not on the same page, I mean, it may not lead to a consent violation, but it, it certainly, I think you're not going to have a good game if yeah. you can't align. I had an example of that where we are uh, playing a game with three people. I can't remember what the system was, but we assigned labels to ourselves at the start, our characters. And one of the players over the course of the sessions just started actively sabotaging everyone else's stuff. Like, behind the scenes, our, our characters didn't know about it, but our players did, and we were just looked at him and went, what is going on here? And he said, well, I didn't take honourable as a label. Oh. Therefore, I'm actively <laughs> screwing you all up. And oh, we were boy. like, huh, that was unexpected. There's a difference between being honourable and, like, actively aggressive. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I would yeah, say, like, yeah. it's not the opposite. Yeah, this is the <laughs> player versus player or player versus environment yeah. dichotomy, yeah. right? Where you're... you're Either playing together to solve a problem, yeah, yeah. or uh, or well, it's more complicated. Squad versus blood opera. Is sort of one thing that I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The revenge yeah. is tragedy. Um, I've I've actually had an example where I was the problem player oh, in really? that situation, and I didn't realize it for ages. I was playing a, a LARP written by Stephanie Pegg where you're awake, and Frank was playing the ghost of the deceased person. Right. Part of his LARP structure, uh, it's, yeah, it's a pretty good technique, is that he'll kind of walk around while you're having a conversation about the deceased, and he'll touch your shoulder and whisper in your ear something like, I forgive you. Right. You know, tell him how angry you are. Frank briefed us on a few facts about his life, his mm-hmm. real life, before he left the room. Right. And then he came back as a ghost, and we were sort of talking it through. He's touching people's shoulders, and I get into my head that the function of this game is a supernatural game. Yeah. That our thing is to like have a seance or to make contact with this ghost mm. or to actually bring Frank's spirit into the game as a coherent thing. So I am totally missing the point. Mm. And I miss the point for maybe 30 minutes, maybe 40 minutes. <laughs> right, so you're engaging at like problem-solving how are we going to communicate with this. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I've got some pretty reasonable traumatic instincts, right? So I'm, yeah. I don't do it all at once. Yeah. I kind of just say, hey, you know, does this feel weird? Or, you know, <laughs> I just feel compelled to... So I, I'm also completely misreading the techniques. Yeah that the game is using and at a certain point Ivan who is to be fair one of my favorite people to play with I don't even know if he took me aside I think he might have like timed out the whole table yeah but I think he took me aside and just said look you're kind of missing the point of this game it's just an experience (laughs) just an experience (laughs) it's like the moment I can imagine Sunshine Boulevard is where Mm. you realize you're the serial killer's victim rather than the date the whole thing just slid into place I completely reorient her holy shit, I have been disrupting this game for probably longer than 40 minutes because of my lack of engagement for 20 minutes while I worked up the courage to to kind of make this this move, thinking I was going to be a good player. Yeah. Yes. And (laughs) so I had a problem-solving supernatural genre thing where everybody else had a drama, emotional catharsis. Right. Yes. Oh, man. I feel worried because I can't think of an example for me where I've done that which probably just means like it's happened a ton of times and I've never realised well, we, we've played together for <laughs> over a decade so I can't remember there must have been a time <laughs> and possibly but uh, you know I mean you usually get feedback from people well I mean lucky that someone had the courage to actually yeah, right. to actually help you yeah. and, and presumably like your relationship was such that they trusted that you would that all you needed was basically a, a word to the wise. Yeah, and you, yeah, and you would get right. Absolutely. But imagine you—you you know, you're in a con and you've got someone at the table who just—and I've been in those games, particularly with this one epoch game I remember where, where there was a, a player who didn't understand the rules really, didn't mm. understand what they were engaged with, and it made them very problematic. Mm. Mm. Uh, and no one knew them well enough to trust to speak up and say, "Look." you're not engaging in the right way in the yeah, yeah. yeah it's, so well, it's, it's a hard conversation it is a hard conversation but it ruined yeah. the game probably for him as well as for yeah. everyone else because he didn't understand why people weren't well, jiving with him right yeah and, <laughs> and he thought he was a brave adventurer that could jump out and survive you know an arrow trap and we're like buddy no play. that's not the right game you, <laughs> yeah. you think you're Conan in a dark horror game Steve's going quiet the emotion that I would describe when there is a mismatch in motivations at the table is frustration. Absolutely. Gradually building frustration. Yeah. And depending on how invested people are in a story going a particular way or a mood playing out, that frustration can really spill over. You know, I've got a great example of when that didn't happen. At the end of Capcom, our friend Nick ran a 
Katamari Damacy game. You know, the video game Katamari. So we were all different cousins, and the basic story was that we'd been deprived of our Katamaris by the king of the universe. Sorry, and, just, just, um, just, just to interrupt you and be clear, this is the game where you roll around and pick up various... That's right. Bits and pieces. Yep. Don't you want to see how that would be executed in a tabletop format? So this is a homebrew tabletop <laughs> game that Nick ran, and it was fantastic. Yes. We all spent like half an hour designing our little cousin and mm-hmm. what the thing was that they were into, and like one of us was a pencil. Don't, don't tell me that Nick played a serial killer and you were going to kill him. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. No, um, it was brilliant. He, um, he had this whole storyline, and... We, we didn't know what was going on. There was this big, disastrous thing, and we found a little garage door opener. It's got one button on it. Right. And what he expected us to do was press that button mm-hmm. and open up the rest of the story. Has he ever met a party? <laughs> what we did <laughs> was go, this thing must be the most important thing in the world. We will create a gigantic Katamari man. <laughs> with this little button thing as it's like necklace, it's power stone and then use it to fight off the monster and he went fuck it, that's brilliant like, he, he threw out all his notes he went, great, did, did tell you, me how this works did you, did you see him throw the notes out? yeah, oh, wow. he went, well okay, cool and we were like, oh shit, should we have done something he's like, no 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 this is great, <laughs> just follow it and so we just spent all the, this like hour and a half going, okay well what, what kind of things would you roll up if you wanted a really effective arm, well, you'd want strong people and you'd want things that grab, so a whole lot of crabs. <laughs> and I decided I would draw it, so like, as we were going, I was like filling up this A4 page with Captain Katamari, as we called him. <laughs> it was a horrifying image, it's um, just terrifying. <laughs> He's got a leg made of legs and stuff, yeah. like, and, and it was amazing. I want to say props to Nick and it was to amazing. Any, any GM who is running a prepped game yes. and is willing to throw, throw their notes out. Yes. Yeah. That's, yeah. If you, that's if you It's that moment eh, when you're running as a gem and you just go, well, this isn't what I imagined, but it's super fun. Mm, so th- let's go there. Yeah. I think it takes a certain kind of bravery and I think uh, I oh, do want to talk about later about the kind of grip that you need to have. You need to have some grip, but you need to be able to let go as well. And I think that's... Yeah, it's a balance. I think that's probably got to be the magic... So should we have a final yes. sort of round of outstanding questions and then maybe mm. some things we wish we'd said? This is the moment to sound profound, right? Oh, no. Okay. Oh, no, okay. Well, my, my question is, is the social contract actually valuable? Are we supposed to be answering these questions as yeah. you ask them? Yeah, sure. Yes, that, yes, it is. <laughs> Justify your position. Well, my argument would be kind of Rousseauian, which is you have a social contract. Mm, right. That's right, only, you do. Just because it's not explicit, just, just because it's not formal, doesn't mean you don't have one. Yeah, right. That's so true. therefore, you may as well invest in it. You may as well make it explicit. And make use, it it to, use it to improve the game experience. Exactly, and, and try and get everyone aligned so that they're expecting the kind of experience that you're hoping to achieve. That sounded really smart. Um, The only thing I would uh, add to that, (laughs) so ditto, to have a really great gaming experience, and what I define as a great gaming experience, you need a certain amount of trust, Mm. the players and the facilitator at the table, and a social contract can go a huge way to building that trust, even if you're new acquaintances. You've been listening to the Hearts and Dice podcast, hosted by Jamie Sands, Daniel Zollinger, and me, Steve Hickey. If you want to get in touch with us, you can use our social media accounts, that's at Hearts and Dice, all spelled out, on Instagram and Twitter. You can email us on heartsanddice at gmail.com, and our Facebook page is Hearts and Dice Podcast. Thanks for listening.